In this uh, prayer, we can project it up there. The uh, Yes, say this prayer with me together. Avenu Malkenu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. As uh, Michael has already uh, alluded to in this uh, service during the worship, we are in, uh, starting a two-part series today entitled The Love of God. And as we were talking about this series uh, this week and reflecting on the, uh, the scriptures, uh, you know, Michael said to me, if you could sum up the, the, the Bible in one word, it would be love. And uh, that is true. You know, uh, first and foremost, God's love for us and then our love for him and our love for one another. Uh, but unfortunately, too often, we don't truly grasp uh, this important truth about God's love and his character, which leads to a lot of misconceptions uh, about him and difficulties in our relationship, first with him and then in turn uh, with others. So our prayer is that through this two-part series, you would truly grasp the love of God, not just intellectually, because I know we can all say God loves everyone. We can throw, uh, quote most of us, Yochanan 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his you know, only begotten son. <coughs> but our prayer is that you would personally, personally receive and walk in the love of God each day of your life. Because from Bereshit to Revelation, the scriptures are all about how much God loves mankind. And today's message is entitled, God is Love. And we are told that in Yochanan Aleph, 1 John 4, chapter 8, and, and chapter, uh, I mean, chapter, eight, chapter 4, verse 8, and verse 16. It doesn't just say God loves, which it does say that at other points, but it says God is love. Okay, this is the core of his character and his nature. So everything else that he does, so sometimes when you don't understand, and Josiah was talking about that in his Devar Torah, that sometimes we don't understand what's going on, and sometimes we feel like God's not, not getting it. You know, God, I'm suffering down here, the children of Israel were saying, and, and, and don't you see? The reality is he does. And even though we don't understand his plan and his timing, timing's a big issue for us as, as humanity, and I think especially in this modern era where we have... Uh, instantaneous, you know, pop it in the microwave, 30 seconds later, boom, it's ready, right? So I think uh, as modern believers, we have struggled more with the timing issue, I think, than the ancients did. But if we could truly grasp his character, he is love, then everything that happens in our life, we know that he loves us and that somehow he is going to work things out, as Romans 8, 28 tells us, work everything out together for our good. So that's why we really felt as we are starting this new year to focus us in on God is love, the love of God, and again, to receive it, internalize it, and and walk in that. We're told later in chapter 4 there of Yochanan Aleph that the perfect love of God cast out all fear. Yet the reality is I know many believers walk in fear and anxiety instead of peace. You know, in, uh, they are in despair instead of hope, and they're in bondage instead of freedom. And again, I believe one of the reasons is that we truly haven't grasped and received this love of God into our 
into our hearts and into our, into our, our lights, our lives. And so I want us to explore this love of God today. And uh, next week, Rabbi Michael will talk about uh, how we can really know that God loves me personally. So I want you to open your hearts and to receive this. So pray this little prayer after me. Adonai, I open my heart to receive your abounding love for me personally. So we sang about this today. The first thing about God's love is it is eternal. Yirmiyahu 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Right? The song that we sang in worship. And that is why in my grace, my chesed, I drew you or I draw you to me. The Hebrew phrase here for everlasting love is ahavat olam. Uh, there are several songs that I know in Hebrew from different artists that are actually titled, and it's based on this verse, Ahavat Olam, the everlasting love of God. And when you think about everlasting, it means that God's love is not fickle, you know, and it's a love that will never, ever end. He loved us in the past, he loves us today, and he'll love us in the future. He always has, always will, and will never, ever stop loving us. And in our world where love is projected in such a strange way, and the opposite of what love is when it comes to God, people fall in love and they fall out of love, right? Uh, the things that are portrayed as love in a lot of the movies and in TV and in books and things is not really love. And so we, but that's, our, that's what we're told love is, so often we can project that on to God. Oh, you know, he loves me. You know, the little kid, right? He loves me. He loves me not. You know, pull the, right? Oh, every little girl did that. You get the thing. He loves me. He loves me not. Pull it out. Sometimes that's how we are with God. Oh, today he loves me. Tomorrow he doesn't love me, right? And we have this, you know, our mentality towards him is that his love is not steadfast and sure, and that's not true. His love is everlasting, and it is uh, secure. And the other thing about this everlasting love is that he is the initiator of this love, right? Uh, it's not that that you and I loved him first. In fact, again, in Yochanan, Olive, uh, chapter 4, verse 10, it says, here is what love is, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the kapoor for our sins. In other words, he's the initiator of it. And his eternal love, as one writer said, is pursuing a relationship with us. And the last song that we sang, who is the king of glory, who pursues me with his love. So that's the image that you need to have, that God is love, and in his everlasting, eternal love is pursuing you because he wants to have that personal, intimate relationship with you. And he desires to to make himself known and to interact with you and to uh, lavish his love upon you and upon me. And the other thing about this eternal love is that it is a love that is full of grace. And I told my husband yesterday as I was working through this message, I began to look up uh, for verses that have the word love in it in the English Bible. And then I would go and uh, check uh, in my Hebrew. And often when the English says the word love, in the Hebrew it's the word chesed. So it made me begin to reflect on that, that about the chesed, the grace uh, of God, and um, I began to read about this, and there have been many articles and even dissertations that have been written on this word, but one of the most interesting things that I found about this chesed 
is in the context of all the Hebrew readings and thought, is that this is something that is freely given. And it is something that is given when someone sees someone that is in need, and I decide to help you because you're in need and I have the ability to help you, that's chesed. And so, again, a lot of the English translations translate chesed as love, uh, and so God's love is a love that it has this grace uh, that is reaching out to us to give us what we can never give ourselves. Think about that. It is grace that reaches out to give you what you could never give or do for yourself. And um, when it says here that the, the, and I have drawn you with, you know, out, I've drawn you out there in that verse uh, that we just read uh, from Yirmiyahu, that is why in my grace I draw you to myself. The Hebrew word here is mashak. And we find it later in uh, chapter 38, verse 13. And it says that they pulled Yirmiyahu up. They mashak. They pulled him up out of the pit and the cistern that he was in. And so as I reflected on it, it made me understand that when it says that God's eternal love drew us, it means that he reached down to us even when we were not seeking him, that it pulled us up out of the pit of despair, that it pulled us out of the shackles of sin, it pulled us up out of the, the, the torment of anxiety, his love pulled us out of the feeling of, of shame. So this eternal love, full of grace and mercy, is a love that reaches out to us, not because we asked it to, but it was initiated by God because he wanted to, and he reached out to pull us up out of the mire and the muck that we have found ourselves in. And that is a love that continues to do it. It's not a one-time thing, because again, everlasting, eternal. So God is always reaching out. Again, as Josiah said, he has a purpose and plan for our lives. So he's always reaching his hand out towards us to pull us up and out of some of the situations we get ourselves into or that the world puts us into and to pull him to himself and to pull us towards that purpose and plan that he has, you know, for our life. The everlasting love of God, full of grace and mercy, reaching out to you, reaching out to me, even though we were not asking for it. And then I thought, what else do we need to know about the love of God? A lot of things, but I only have three, so don't get too worried, you know, is that God's love is based on covenant. Read with me, follow along here, Divarim, Deuteronomy, chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. And God is saying through Moshe, it was because Adonai loved you and because he wanted to keep the oath which he had sworn to your ancestors that Adonai brought you out with a strong hand and redeemed you from a life of slavery under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. From this you can know that Adonai your God is indeed God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and extends grace, there's a chesed again, to those who love him and observe his mitzvot to a thousand generations. So he's a faithful God, say that with me, faithful God who keeps his covenant. Say that, who keeps his covenant. And his love is based on the fact that he is a covenant-keeping God. His love is not dependent on my performance or your performance. 
And that's where we get ourselves into some problems. Because sometimes I make mistakes. Anyone else? Sometimes I sin. Anyone else? Now, does God stop loving me because of my mistakes and my sin? Does he love me less when I don't pray in the morning? Does he love me less when I don't read my Bible? No, because his love is based on covenant, not on my performance. Does God want me to read his word? Sure. Does God want me to pray? Of course. But his love is not dependent on what I do or don't do. His love is dependent on the fact that he is a covenant-keeping God who is faithful to his word. And he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I've made this covenant with you. A covenant that was secured for us through the death of Yeshua, the Messiah, on the tree of sacrifice. In his book, Knowing God, J.I. Packer says that God's love to me is utterly realistic, based at every point on the prior knowledge of the worst about me, so that no discovery now can disillusion him about me in the way I am so often disillusioned about myself. In other words, God knew you at your worst, right? He knew me at my worst. And so nothing that I'm going to do is going to disillusion him and make him stop loving me. And so God says, it's not because you've earned it or worked hard for it that I have loved you. Rather, I love you because I made a choice to love you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God chose to love you. So I want you to remember that God is the initiator of the covenant. And as I was alluding to, Yochanan Aleph 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. I had nothing to offer God. I still have nothing to offer him. He had everything to give to me. And it was his love that reached out. He was the initiator, and I simply had to respond and say, Yes, God, I accept your love. Yes, God, I receive your grace and your mercy into my life. Yet so often as people, we find ourselves trying to earn God's love and favor. We beat ourselves up when we sin or fall short, once again, projecting onto Adonai our emotional response to our shortcomings. I failed, and, and I'm no good, so God, you must not love me because I'm not good enough, and you must be disappointed with me because I know I'm disappointed in myself. And he, you must be angry because we get angry at ourselves. But friends, that's not the love of God. Because it's a love that's based on covenant. Now I need two volunteers, Wayne and Chris. You know, in some wedding ceremonies, they have started doing, and I think Evan and Rena did this and a couple others, this, the salt covenant. So come on up here so everyone can see you. This is your container of salt. And this is your container of salt. And the, the scriptures do talk about the salt covenant as well. Then would you move out that way? Move up and that way. All right. So, and what happens is, I'm going to come between you with this bowl. And you're going to each pour your container of salt into this bowl. Thank you very much. You can be seated. You can take your uh, containers with you. So now that they have poured their containers of salt in here. Can I ever separate them back into Chris's container and, and Wayne's and say, oh, this was Chris and this was Wayne? 
never ever be able to do that. Right? Just, just, there's no way. My husband even thought about maybe you should color them and then you would at least see the different colors. But even to pick apart, every, would you ever, ever be able to do that? Never. See, the covenant of God is a, is a covenant that he can never, ever break. He can never, ever take his covenant back. He cannot break his covenant because it would go against who he is as a faithful covenant-keeping God. Even when we walk away from him and I choose to go my own way and I am trying to step out of the covenant myself, God never stops loving me. Think of the story of the prodigal son. It says the father saw him from afar off. What does that mean? The father was always waiting for his son to return because the father loved his son. Even though that son choose, chose to walk away, even though that young man chose to, to take all that, the goodness that God had given to him and blow it in a reckless manner, the father stood there waiting with arms open wide to receive his son back because God is love. And his love is based on covenant that he cannot break. And that is the love that God wants you to walk in today. And maybe you're here today and maybe you have grown a little cold in your, your, your love and in your relationship with God. Maybe, you know, you are just going through the motions or you show up here maybe because you're pressured to come by, you know, your parents. I get it, young people, you know, um, because my kids, not that they, they fight with me, but they have no option. They still have to come even though they're in their, my daughter's going to be 20 this year. Oof. She's making a list of 20 things to do before she turns 20. So, my daughter. So I can't believe that I'm going to have two 20-year-olds, right? But I'm going to tell you that God loves you and his arms are open wide to receive you. He's not angry with you. He loves you. That father in the story of the prodigal son represents God, the father. And that father did not do anything but hug that son and lavish his love on that son. And that's what your heavenly father desires to do to you. If you have strayed away, if you have grown cold in your pursuit of him and you're responding to him, you need to know that he waits, waits eagerly with his arms open wide to give you the biggest bear hug you would ever, ever had and to throw a huge party just invite me to it, okay? Because he loves you. We know that the scriptures tells us that Adonai, Adonai does not change. And because he does not change, I know that I know that his love is steadfast. But Rabbi Carol, I can hear your little brains. I've done terrible things you don't know. Rabbi Carol, I struggle with pornography. Rabbi Carol, I have hatred in my heart. Rabbi Carol, I don't pray or read my Bible at all. Rabbi Carol, I have an anger issue. 
Rabbi Carol, I've been promiscuous. Rabbi Carol, I lied to someone this week. Rabbi Carol, I cheated. Rabbi Carol, I stole something. Friends, although Adonai wants those things to change, none of those things makes him love you less. As I said earlier, he does not stop loving me or you because we make mistakes. He will never, ever, ever break his covenant of love towards you and me. And his love calls us to come out of those mistakes and out of those sins, but it will never, ever stop loving us. Finally, we need to see that God, in his love, values us for who we are. Look at what it says in Yeshiahu Isaiah 43, verse 4. God says, I regard you as valued and honor because I love you. I regard you as valued and honor. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are valuable to God. Everyone look at me. Hear the words. You are valuable to God. You are valuable to God. Once again, it's a love that is not based on our performance. He simply loves you and he simply loves me because of who we are and because he chooses to do so. And this eternal love honors and values us even when no one else sees value in us. And even when we don't see value in ourselves. And it's an important aspect of God's love that we each need to, to renew and, and, and grab hold of in our heart. Because there's not one of us who's perfect. There's not, you know, as, as the scriptures tell us, no, not one without sin. And when we make those mistakes and when we fall short, it is so easy to, to get so hard on ourselves. And, and when we get hard on ourselves, we don't feel like, again, valuable to, to others or to God, certainly. And the standard of this world is much different than that of God's, and his perception of you and me is much different than that of others and, again, even of ourselves. I'm sure no one else has done this but me, but sometimes I struggle with my value because I compare myself with others or with standards that are in the world and in society. And guess what? I'm not as good as the person across town or the person I see on TV. And, and I'm like, wow, look at that person and look at how much they have done and look where my life is at. Is that only me, right? And I see someone who is, quote, successful. And I look at my life and think, wow, I'm not where they're at, right? And when we can look at different aspects of our, our lives and, and when we feel like a, a failure and when we give into those feelings, you don't feel valuable. You don't feel honored. And maybe you're listening to this message either here today in the sanctuary or on the podcast, and 
you're struggling with this feeling of being valuable or that you matter. Perhaps you don't have the education that others have. Perhaps your job is not the dream job that you uh, had once longed for. Or maybe you're not in the place where you thought you would be at this stage of, of your life. Perhaps things in your past continue to haunt you and bring shame to your mind and you tell yourself that you're not as valuable as the person sitting across the aisle or in front of you. And at some point, most people struggle not only with feeling valuable and honored, but even feeling that my life counts. Again, we can look around and so often see our own shortcomings and see where we wish we were and the things we wish we had done. And when we begin to think of ourselves in those terms, it leads to disappointment and feelings of inadequacy. But I believe this is definitely a word from God today to each one of us here. And he says to you, you are valuable to me. And I honor you for who you are. There is no one in the world like you, Adonai says. No one before you or no one after you will be exactly like you. He says, I created you with a purpose and a plan, and no matter what turns and twists your life has taken, no matter how many disappointments you have experienced, no matter how many choices you regret, God says, I want you to receive my love for you today. And understand that I honor and value you more than you could ever imagine. Years ago, I came across a resource entitled The Father's Love Letter. And you could find it online and you could print it off. And the composer of this letter used different scriptures uh, to write a letter as if it was from God to mankind expressing his love and his concern for us. And I just want to read the first half of this letter to encourage you on how God perceives you, the value that he places on you. And then I'm going to close with a prayer from Ephesians. But the letter starts out, My child, and just close your eyes and just receive this, My child, You may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. You were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in, my mother, in, your, in your mother's womb 
and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you simply because you are my child and I am your father. The love of God. So rich and strong, so measureless. And that love God wants you to experience in a fresh, new way in 2018. I'm going to ask my ushers to come forward. I'm going to give you this little card that says God is love, and it has this scripture on it that I'm going to close with here from Ephesians. Thank you. Because I want you to take this, and I want you to stick it in your Bible or in your purse or on your mirror, wherever you will see it several times a day so that you can be reminded that God is love and that he loves you with an everlasting love. And this is my prayer and my husband's prayer for you in 2018 as we begin this new year on the Gregorian uh, calendar. I pray the same prayer for you that Rav Shaul prayed for the Kehilah in Ephesus. I pray that you will be rooted and founded in love so that you with all God's people, all of us here in this congregation, listening to the podcast, wherever you may be, will be given strength to grasp the breadth, the length, the height and depth of the Messiah's love. Yes, to know it even though it's beyond all knowing so that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. That is our prayer for you, that the love of God would be something that you don't know just intellectually, but that you experience and you walk in every day of your life. Amen. Before I close with ironic benediction, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And Rabbi Michael and I always want to give opportunity, as Rena said, in her welcome for people to connect to the Messiah. That's what we're here for, is to connect and have that relationship and to, to help you to grow, to get to where God wants you to be, which is a journey. Let's face it, none of us ever totally arrive. We're on a journey until we leave this earth and, and make it to heaven. But we want to give you an opportunity. Perhaps you're here and you don't have a personal relationship with God, or perhaps you are here today and you're like that prodigal son that I mentioned, this parable that Yeshua tells. And Yes, you know about God, and you've been a part of this congregation, but, you know, in your heart of hearts, you know you're not connected. You may fool mom and dad. You may fool the person sitting across, but things have grown cold. Why don't we give you opportunity to reconnect to God today, to receive in a fresh way his love? That's why you're here today. You're not here because, well, it's Shabbat, and this is where I'm supposed to go on Saturday. No, you're here because God loves you, And he wants you to connect in a fresh new way to him and go on this journey for the rest of your life of walking and experiencing his love. So pray this prayer with me. I'm going to ask everyone to pray. 
But I want to encourage you, if you're one who is a prodigal, if you're one who's returning or you're making this prayer a prayer for the first time of your life, to know that God loves you and he wants to pull you to himself and he wants to walk with you through every situation you might be facing. Adonai, thank you that you love me. And in your love, you sent Yeshua to die for my sins. On my own, I can do nothing to save myself. But you sent Yeshua to do that for me. So today, I receive your love and the sacrifice of Yeshua. And I commit myself to following you and walking in love with you every day of my life. Help me be the strength of my life. Amen. And the crows with the ironic benediction. Rabbi Michael will be in the back to greet you. Don't forget to sign up for a new ministry, one-year commitment. Uh, we're excited about all those who have signed up and uh, looking for a good year in God. Uh, but just close with this uh, ironic benediction, prayer from 2 to 3, Hebrew from 3 to 4. Yevarechecha Adonai v'yishmerecha, may Adonai bless you and keep you. Ye'er Adonai panavalecha v'kuneka, may Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. Yisa Adonai panavalecha v'yasim lecha shalom, may Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you his peace. May you walk in the peace and grace of God Almighty. Shabbat shalom.